All right, church, good morning. It was uh, such a blessing to me uh, last week at, at the ordination to be blessed by you, by the church. So I want to say thank you. As a, oh, thank you. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's really a blessing uh, to be a part of this church and to be loved by you. And I pray that you'll continue to experience Christ's love and to live out your faith uh, in the best way that you know how because there's some good people here and God's doing some amazing things and I'm excited uh, to be a part of it. Uh, if you could open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse uh, 38 to 42, that's the scripture uh, for this morning. As I've been inviting uh, others, I send out the invitation to you. If you have a heart to read scripture on Sundays, uh, please contact me, and I would love to uh, just have you serve uh, in that way. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42 reads like this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray as we dive into the word now. Father, we thank you, God, for your grace and mercy and your goodness. And we come before you this morning in your house in praise and adoration of who you are, God. Thank you for this day that you have made, and it is good because you have made it. Uh, Lord, thank you that for everyone that's come here and for the weeks that we've had. In this moment, God... May you just give us a sense of your presence, a sense of your peace. We don't want to leave this place without experiencing you. So may we see you in your word today. May you calm our hearts. May you open our eyes. May you help our minds and hearts to understand you. And may we see the words of truth that are spoken here today through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little bit chilly. In here, as I'm sure you're experiencing, I'm a bit chilly out here. Uh, but we're we're opening up the windows a little bit just to have some airflow because uh, uh, more and more people are coming in. Uh, just um, just to take care of everyone here and to make sure we do the best uh, that we can. Well, I want to start off by asking you this one question: uh, is uh, the question is is this? If you go to the first slide, yeah. What's the most important thing in your life? That's a big question. You're like, Doug, it's early <laughs> on a Sunday morning. I'm a little bit hungry. It's getting around lunchtime. You're asking me such a big question. But it's an important one as we go into the Word today. What's the most important thing in your life? Maybe it's right now or maybe it's a certain point in your life that you made that decision and you still think that's the most important thing. Well, maybe you're thinking that I remember to lock the car door right now as you rushed in to church or maybe your house door or you're thinking about what's for lunch afterwards and that's pretty important to you. Uh, maybe it's that job that you applied for and you're waiting for an offer or you're waiting for a phone call. Uh, maybe it's that application that you sent out and you're hoping to hear back for that. Maybe it's you're wondering, uh, you're wondering right now how on earth are you going to afford living in such, a big, uh, such an expensive city? Uh, how am I going to afford that apartment, that house, uh, that car that I need to get around in this city? Uh, you maybe think about retirement and whether you're going to save enough and you're going to have enough for the future. Uh, what is the most important thing in your life right now? And maybe the answer to that question is it depends, right, on what kind of season you're in. What's the season of life for you? Are you in school? Are you working? Are you in a relationship? 
Are you seeking a relationship? Are you married? Are you single? What, 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 all, all those different phases of life, it matters in terms of how you answer this question. I remember for when I was in elementary school, the most important thing for me was what am I going to eat for lunch? Uh, was it going to be the egg salad sandwich? Again, I think my mom's here. Thank you for making me that egg salad sandwich. <laughs> or is that a ham and cheese sandwich? Uh, in high school, where, where is the next party going to be? Uh, who are the friends I'm going to hang out with? Where am I going to eat my lunch? Which locker am I going to sit in front of? Which, which table am I going to be at? At university, the pressures of school, that assignment, that, that exam that's looming, that midterm that's just around the corner, that's the most important thing. And then you start thinking about your career. Am I going to be going into the job that I want to work in? Am I going to find the career that I want? All the pressures of life as you start moving out of that phase into thinking about the future, you're like, am I going to settle or am I going to look for a job that I really want? Then you start thinking about relationships, maybe, uh, maybe earlier for some of us. <laughs> uh, you start thinking about marriage. You start thinking about uh, the, these next steps of life. And then you start thinking about uh, kids. And then you start thinking about retirement and savings and, and all those kind of things. It really depends on the phase of life that you're in, in terms of how you answer this question. I was reading the newspaper yesterday, not a physical one, uh, but an <laughs> online version of it, and I stumbled upon the horoscope, and I never read it, and it just caught my attention, uh, because it says this, the most important thing now is that you set yourself targets that are re- reasonable and reachable. I'm like, wow, um, I don't know what they make of that. I'm sure it kind of said the same thing for all of them, but it depends. Like, do you depend on the horoscope to tell you what's most important? You go with the winds of time, and every single day you're like, well, whatever is most important, it's gonna, I'm going to take up and be swept up with that. And maybe it's true for many of us that the most important thing for you, uh, we put our time and energy into the most important thing that you think is important at that time. Uh, you focus on that, and you put all your energy and your strength into that. And the thing is, is this. As I mentioned, the things from elementary all the way to now and beyond, uh, the thing is, most of these tasks that we think are important, they are important. Like, I'm not brushing them off. They are important. We should take care of our families, right? Like, Jess and I, we should feed our kids. Like, that's, you know, I shouldn't be like, wow, that's so much work. Like, we, there are things that, responsibilities that we should do. We should buy groceries. We should take care of our bodies to the best that we can. We should be in community and in conversation and relationship with each other. We should go to work, and be thankful for the jobs that we have, and we should go to school and be thankful. You're like, be thankful. Be thankful for the assignment that you got to do uh, and the, the task that we have to accomplish. But if we're honest, they can, these important tasks they can really occupy our minds all the time, and they can really take over, and we get distracted from the most important thing as what we'll see in Scripture here today. And the most important thing that Jesus we learn from Jesus here and Mary and Martha is this, sitting and listening to Jesus' words is the most important thing. That no matter how important the task is you have to do, and you got to do them, you got to take and be responsible for them, the most important thing that we can do every day and the rest of our lives is to sit and listen to the words of Jesus. Because out of that, everything else flows. Out of the words of Jesus the words of life flow and we understand and make sense everything else that we're doing. We make sense of what we're doing in our lives. And we're in a, ser- a sermon series called Meals with Jesus where Jesus uses these moments uh, to teach us and his disciples uh, around a meal uh, some important truths in terms of what it means to live out our faith, what it means to have the good life. 
And our prayer as a church throughout this time is that we won't be a people, you probably heard me say this time and time again, we won't just be a people that look like Jesus, but we'll be a people that desperately need Jesus. That we live every day as if we really do need him. That we need him for every breath in our lungs and the energy and the strength that we need for each day. And today we're in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, and it's a familiar story. If you've read this passage before, uh, the story of Mary and Martha. And it's fascinating to see how this passage comes right after the sending out of the 70 and the 72, right? They're out busy doing ministry and serving God, performing miracles, uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing miraculous things that God has called them out to do. And he, they're excited to come back to Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, we've done all these things. And it happened just as you said. And a couple verses later, we come upon this passage in Mary and Martha and how, Mary call, uh, how Jesus calls Mary and Martha, both of them, to be still and to sit and to listen to his words. And we could look at this passage in a few ways. And, and we could look at this really in, a, I think, a right way and maybe a not-so-right way, uh, a wrong way. <laughs> uh, we could look at this as be Mary and don't be Martha, right? That's often the way that we see this passage. But I don't think it's quite so clear-cut. Because I think we're called to learn something from both of them. See, there's a challenge as I read this text uh, this week, as I was wrestling with this and what God, like, God, what do you have to say to our church here? It, it seems like the Bible, it urges us a lot to be, urges us a lot of times to be like Martha, right? You know, to live out our faith. We've got to do things. Faith without works is useless. Like, we've got to live out our, our, our faith. We've we got to live out our faith, and we've got to work, and we've got to do what God has called us to do, to use our gifts, and to do these amazing things. But here's the truth in this scripture here this morning, as we sit and listen to Jesus' words, is that we are to be like Mary in our worship, in our connection and relationship with Jesus, but we're to be like Martha in our work, in our work ethic, in the way that we understand our gifting, the way that we live out the faith that we have. I like what Al Mohler says. He's an American theologian. Uh, he says this, we're not here to judge Martha. We're here to learn from Mary. So that may be subtle change, but here we're not judging Martha. It's shame on you, Martha, you know, for doing what you're doing. We're not saying any of that. We're saying this morning, Mary, we want to learn from her heart in the way that she lived out her faith and how she encountered Jesus. So let's go over this passage slowly. Those a few verses. Let's go over this passage. And it starts off in this way. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And just something we pay attention to right, right away here. As Jesus and his disciples were, were on their way. They're on the way. It doesn't seem like this was a place they were planning to stop. But they're on their way and they came to this village. And we learned this from John, that uh, the Gospel of John, that it's Bethany at the town of Bethany, where, where Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus is from, and where Lazarus is ultimately raised back from the dead. This is where the town that Jesus has come across, and he, this is where he, he was on their way and passing through. And this makes me think of how many, before I even get into the main, 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 main parts of the passage, uh, uh, how many of us miss opportunities when we're on our way, Right? Like in the everyday, when we're on our way to work, on our way to school, on our way to whatever it is, the opportunities that we have and the people that we encounter, that God calls us to speak to, that God calls us to encounter and to make a difference, just to say hi or hello. 
that they were just simply on their way, and this great opportunity came about. But Martha didn't miss this opportunity. Martha sees this opportunity. As I mentioned in John 12 already, we see that this town is, is Bethany, and Bethany is a few kilometers just east of Jerusalem. Uh, it's also uh, can be translated as, as the house of figs because there's a lot of figs uh, in the area. Uh, but Martha, we see here that she has a gift of hospitality. So thank God for Martha's in our lives. Thank God for Martha and those with the gift of hospitality because without Martha, there would have been a, been a way for Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha didn't miss this opportunity. She opened her home. It's deliberate. It's an active step. She opened her home. Jesus showed up on his way. No phone call. No text message. I'm not even sure there's a doorbell. And this shows up, but Mary, in her gift of hospitality, offers her home to Jesus and, not just Jesus, and his disciples. And this kind of shows us, as one theologian says, that Martha was affluent. She had a big home. How can you fit all the disciples and, and Jesus and have enough food to feed all of them, having all the space and, and, and to take care of them in this way? Yet, yet also, as a, an, another commentary points out, like Martha is courageous because at this time of the, of the narrative, it was dangerous to be around Jesus. The, the religious authorities were like, don't hang out with this guy, don't be associated with this Jesus dude. Uh, but Martha's like, hey, I'm opening my home for Jesus. So Martha knew that when Jesus shows up, she would invite him in, and she uses her gift of hospitality. So she also had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So it's fascinating. Right in the very beginning, this, these two verses of, of how Martha and Mary are both introduced to us. Martha is introduced to us as someone that's hospitable, that's opened her home uh, to Jesus and disciples. And the first thing that's said of Mary is this. It wasn't that she said hi <laughs> or it's like, hey, Jesus, welcome you know, to our home. Uh, it was, she, she sat she sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And sitting at someone's feet in that time was a metaphor of discipleship. It's a metaphor of learning from a rabbi. And Mary is often found, this is an only passage, Mary is often found sitting at Jesus' feet. And there's also uh, some other parts where when, as she sits at his feet, there's also some sort of fragrance that's involved with it. That's fascinating. In Luke 10, it's the fragrance of a meal that's being cooked and prepared for Jesus and his disciples. In John 11, it was the fragrance of death of, his, of her brother. Don't open the tomb because it's going to smell. In John 12, it was the fragrance of perfume, perfume as she breaks an expensive jar of perfume at the feet of Jesus. Every time she falls at his feet, there's a fragrance being offered up. There's a fragrance that's around. And I think that serves as a very visual reminder for us that every time we fall to, at the feet of Jesus, that there is something being offered up at that moment. And we call that worship. Uh, we call that the worship of God, whether it's songs, whether it's prayer, whether it's our lives, whether it's our hearts. Every time we sit at the feet of Jesus, there's something that's offered up to him, a fragrance that is pleasing to the Lord. And she was found sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what he said, and Let's not skip over those words this morning. She sat at the Lord's feet, and what was she doing? She was listening, listening to what Jesus was saying, listening to what he said. 
How many, how many of us know what Jesus' words are? How many of us know what Jesus says in his word? How many of us are listening to Christ every single day? Because he is speaking to you. You might feel like you're alone and by yourself as you're going about your every single day, but Christ is speaking to us in the everyday. He's speaking to you especially every time he opens your word, that he has a personal word for you and that he is speaking to you. And here Mary, instead of running around, takes time to sit down and to be at the Lord's feet. And it just reminds us and, and encourages us that it takes time to be holy. It takes time to be holy. It takes time to be sharp. And it takes time for God's word to work its way into our heart and to change our lives. It takes time for holiness to take a shape in our life. And it starts by sitting and listening at his feet and listening to what Jesus is, is saying. And we read this kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those blowover verses in verse 39, just read it. But the first century reader would have been shocked by this because women do not sit at the feet of rabbi. They would have read this and be like, like tearing their clothing <laughs> as, as they're reading this. Like the gasp in the movie is like, <gasps> you know, like, like they would have read this and be like, what on earth is going on? Mary, what are you doing? Only disciples, only Men sit at the feet of rabbi, but here Mary doesn't care about any of that. And here Jesus doesn't rebuke Mary for doing it either. And says that this is where you're meant to be. Mary, I will use you as an example for generations to come of what it looks like to worship and what it looks like to sit at my feet. So we ought to be shocked when we read this. That there's a word for us here of what Mary is Doing, But Martha, that's not what she was seeing. She wasn't seeing this holy moment of this great moment. She was getting upset, right? In verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. A few things stand out to me. Just how courageous Martha is in <laughs> speaking to Jesus. That kind of shows their friendship, I think. Just how close they are. That she's willing to kind of say this. She maybe she knows fully uh, who Jesus is, the Lord of the universe. The Word became flesh. The Lord of the Lord is the King of Kings. But in that moment, it's the friendship aspect. Don't you care? In other words, you don't care. Right? When you say that to someone, you're really hinting that they don't care. So she has the audacity to say this uh, to to Jesus. But as you go back to the beginning of that uh, verse 40 here, Martha was what? She was distracted. She was distracted by the preparations. And here's the thing. Martha is doing what is necessary because Jesus doesn't rebuke her because the preparations are necessary. They're important work. Jesus doesn't shut and be like, those things are less. That's not important. You shouldn't be doing them. She was just distracted by them. There's a difference. She was just distracted by them. And this reminds me, this convicted me, not reminds me, convicted me of my heart. This was a few years ago uh, during a Good Friday service. Do you remember when we had uh, the journey? Well, we still we haven't done it because of COVID, but the journey to the cross. We moved station to station, recalling the, the, uh, the night uh, of, that Jesus was crucified. And I remember I was busy early at church setting things up, and I was flustered. I'm like, where are, is the tape? <laughs> where is the stapler? Everything. You know, where are the things that were, you know, I was running around and the, the, the Good Friday service was about to start. People were coming in. It was supposed to be a solemn night, but my heart was not solemn. My heart was like, 
what is going on? I saw people uh, enjoying each other's company, and that made me angry. Uh, I shouldn't be, but that made me upset. It's like, this night is about experiencing the Lord <laughs> and his death, and, and we should be coming in sadness. Like, don't you, and, and, and underneath all of that, it wasn't really, I wanted people to experience Christ, but did you see the preparation that's been made? Do you see all the work that's been made in order for this to happen? Do you guys understand what is going on here? And I see this attitude in myself, in the ways that, we, that I live out my life, that do you see the work that needs to be made? I become distracted at that moment, that I was trying to bring people to the cross when I was the one that was so far away that night, so far away from, from experiencing and seeing Jesus, and I was distracted. And I think for us, that we live in a time of high distractibility. I'm not just talking about our phones and social media and, 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 and all, the, all, all the things that are vouching for our attention, that we're in a time where we're so distracted by our responsibilities and the things that are important, that we forget what is the most important thing, which is to sit and to listen to the words of Jesus. And maybe right now you're thinking, what are you distracted by? Maybe you're distracted right now. And those are things that we're meant to bring before God and to bring and to offer it up to him. And to be honest, and to be God, this is what I'm distracted by. And she asked Jesus here, don't you care how much work there is to be done? I'm making these preparations for you. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm doing for my family? Jesus, don't you see what I'm doing for my church? Don't you see what I'm doing at work? Don't you see what I'm doing for my friends? Jesus, don't you care? And we get an affirmation here that Jesus doesn't rebuke, doesn't rebuke Martha, but speaks gently to her. And we'll be honest, because many of us have been there before too, where we have also said, Jesus, don't you care, right? Jesus, don't you hear me? Don't you see me? Don't you, don't you understand? But the story of the gospel and the story of the Bible is that we have a God that sees and a God that knows and a God that understands, not only sees, knows, and understands, but he came in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the person of Jesus on this earth to walk alongside you and to, ex, and to experience with you and to be with you and to show you what it means that you're not alone. That Jesus doesn't say, doesn't only care, he goes beyond that. He gives all of himself to you. And he answers Martha with this, and I don't know how you read it. Some people might think it's like, Martha, Martha, you know, like <laughs> that, that, that kind of result. But I think it's a gentle, a gentleness. He says, Martha, Martha. And in, in, in Hebrew culture, this W salutation, it's, it's a sign of, of it's an expression of intimacy. It's an expression of intimacy. That God is about to say something so important. That God's about to whisper truth and life into Martha. And we would have been shocked too at that moment. Maybe Jesus' disciples would have been shocked, like expecting Jesus to yell back at Martha for speaking to him in this way. But he actually affirms her for who she is. That this is Martha. These are your gifts, hospitality and, 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 and working and, and living out your faith and doing all these things that you're responsible for, those things are good. He doesn't rebuke Martha for that. Why? Because someone needs to be Martha in order for certain things to happen. 
Jesus knew that and understood. That's why he didn't rebuke her. The meal had to be cooked <laughs> in order for the disciples to be fed. If we're all just going to be Mary and not to downplay Mary, because I'm going back to her, nothing will get done. No one will be fed. The disciples will be hungry, and everyone will be hangry and upset and storming out of the house at that day. But the key here to what Jesus replies to Martha is in verse 42. He says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And the key here is to find what is needed. In other translations, it's necessary. What is needed? What is necessary? What is, in other words, what is Mary doing that Martha is not doing? Because Martha is just concerned with, don't, don't, don't lose me now, Mary, Martha is just concerned with what Mary is not doing. But Jesus is concerned with what Mary is doing, but Martha is not doing herself. And he's speaking to Martha at this moment. Be like, the only one thing is really needed. And what is that one thing that is really needed? And he's not shunning all the things that need to be done because they're important and they need to be done and taken care of. But the one thing that's most important that's needed is to listen and to obey. Is to listen and to obey, to live on every word of God. That is what Mary is doing. Yes, what you're doing is important. Yes, you're busy and you got to fulfill your duties and do check everything off your list. And fulfill what you got to do for the day. But one thing is needed for your day. is to listen and to obey. To live on every word. See, Mary doesn't get busy. She sits. She doesn't get busy when Jesus comes around. She sits and she listens. And if we don't meet Jesus personally in this way, and I know this to be true in my own life, if we don't meet Jesus personally in this way, we'll end up being more busy by his presence, than blessed by his presence. I'm going to say that again. If we don't meet Jesus personally, and we don't sit and be still, we end up being more busy by his presence than blessed by his presence. That every time Jesus shows up, you're going to be like, not again. I got to do that again. I got to serve in this way again. I got to live out my faith in this way again. Jesus, what are you asking me to do? Don't you know how tired I am? But what is the one thing that's necessary is to listen to the word of Jesus. And that's where everything hinges on. The one thing that's necessary that we gather upon, it is the word of Jesus. That's why we gather every single Sunday. Yes, we worship and we sing songs that come from the word. We sing theologically rich songs and sound songs that remind us of who Jesus is. Yes, we pray. We pray through the word and with the word. But if every single time we gather, we don't open up the word and we don't experience the presence of Jesus and we leave this place without experiencing him, then we have missed the mark. Then we're gathering for no reason. And here, Jesus is reminding Martha, why is it that we gather? Why is it that we come together? Why do we serve and why do we do what we do? And why do we fulfill what we're called to fulfill? Why do we lead our life groups? Why do we lead Sunday school and teach the classes? Why do we play instruments? Why does Pastor Howard and Lavelle go, maybe not yesterday, but go to youth group every single week and pour into the youth in that way? Or why does Pastor Howard and the young adults leader, like Greta, go every single Friday and carve pumpkins like last Friday? 
and spend time with the young adults, or our leadership, like ECC or the deacon board? Why, why do they gather and meet for such length of time speaking about all the details of the church and what it means to lead well and to love people well? Why do we have a wine on Sunday mornings now? And why do we let the kids go crazy and play games and yell? It's to build an opportunity for everyone to sit and to listen and to experience the presence. That's why we do it. It's to have and to create that opportunity and that environment to sit and be still and to experience the presence of Jesus. That is why we do what we do. And that is the life of a Christian, to sit and to be still and to encourage others, hey, to sit and be still. And Mary here has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. But again, I want to uplift the Marthas here and the Martha in this scripture is that Martha, it is Martha who make what Mary does possible. That without the work behind the scenes, without the people that are running the AV right now, won't have this mic, the people that set this place up, the people that take care of our heat and our lighting, the pews, everything in the background, without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do in experiencing the presence of Christ. So all of it is important that we're to be Mary in our worship, but Martha in our work. But out of all of it, it's most important to sit and be still every single day and to listen and to experience Christ. And I love this next part in the last section of this text where Mary, where Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And in other words, the word will not be taken away because the word is the only thing that's going to remain. Every single time, every time it's preached and spoken and shared and taught and read, nothing goes to waste. That that is what's going to remain. The word will endure forever. In fact, everything will come to pass at one point. This church building one day won't be here. The pews you sit on won't be here. I definitely won't be here probably before, well, I hope this building won't be, will still, we'll still be here before I go. But everything will fade, be faded away but she has chosen what is better because the word will never fade. Once it's read and believed and obeyed, it's with us always, growing, doing something, growing us, sanctifying us. And will not be taken away, not, not in that present age where she was alive. Won't be taken away from her, not just from the things of the kitchen and being busy preparing a meal. It won't be taken away from her from all of eternity. It will all, the presence of Christ will be with her. That is the most cherished thing that we can ever have. And when the word is heard and obeyed, nothing in the world can take that away. So why chase after perishable things? When we can have this word and this life that's imperishable. Again, I'm not saying in our lives we aren't to fulfill our responsibilities. But it is a whole change of direction when we have this attitude that every single day in our work, in our relationships, in our schooling, in all that we do in our future, if our goal is to sit and to listen and to obey the word of Christ, that is a good place to be. That changes the trajectory of ourselves. And the challenge, that is the challenge for us today. Firstly, what are you distracted by? 
in this age of distractibility, what is it that you're distracted by? And how can we lay those aside and really focus on Christ every single day? Maybe it is the devotion, and maybe it is the Bible app that I keep trying to push on you guys. If you're not following a Bible plan, that's okay. I love this Bible app where, uh, a little plug, I'm not even part of it, it doesn't really matter. So like with version, a little a Bible app, every day, if you're not even following the the plan, there's a verse of the day where it comes with an amazing short devotional video that you can just watch and listen and has guided questions as you go through it. And if that's not your jam, <laughs> go down. There's a, you need a way to pray. It says here, start a conversation with God, your daily guided prayer, where it has a written prayer for you that you're to pray and certain points for you to reflect upon. In the age of distractibility, how are you going to fight against that? How are you going to sit still? Because it's not just going to come. It took deliberate action this morning for you to, to change, I think, to come <laughs> to church <laughs> and to be here, to get in your car, to get on the bus, to get in the transport, some of you traveling very far away, to be here, deliberateness, to sit and to be still. How can we take that into the everyday? That is the challenge. It will never be wasted. Your time here is not wasted whenever we open the word, and I pray that amazing things will continue to grow. Don't give up this fight. Because every day Satan is looking to distract you. That's his greatest weapon. And the greatest weapon we have to fight back is this. Where it never fades. And as we mentioned in the, in, in the, in the prayer, oh, as we mentioned in the prayer, yeah, Bible's falling apart a little bit. Uh, as we mentioned in the prayer, <laughs> t- tomorrow is it's All Saints Day. In other words, it's... it's, it, it's uh, all Hallows Day, which is why today's Hallows, Hallows Eve, Hallow, Halloween. That's where we get that from. Before it became what it is today, tomorrow was meant to celebrate the saints and the martyrs who passed away for their faith. Who knew what it meant to sit and to be present at the feet of Jesus all the way unto death. And they lived that out. And I want us to reflect upon that this week. What does it look like for you to give up? to sacrifice, to sit at the feet of Jesus in order to have that life because Jesus is speaking out to you. And I pray that he'll speak mightily to you this week in the word and through your relationships and conversations. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just who you are. Lord, that you're so faithful to us, that you're so good to us. God, I pray for all of us that are distracted by our all the noise of this world, the fight for our attention. Lord, we just admit that we're distracted and we don't seek you as often as we should. So Lord, give us the discipline, but give us the reminders, God, whether it's 10 seconds or five minutes or 10 minutes of our day or a whole hour or a whole day, whatever it is, Lord, may those moments be supernatural. I pray in Jesus' name that every time that we meet, that we sit, and yearn for you, that you would meet with us and we would experience you. So thank you, God, for your grace, that you loved us first, that you don't need to do any of this, but you want us to have a relationship with you to remind us that we're not alone. So God, we're saying yes to that again today. And may we hear your voice in the everyday. Lord, help us to sit and to listen to the words of Jesus every day, the words that spring life, the words that changes nations, the words that have the power to raise people from the dead. 
that is your voice, and may you speak life into us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.